What up? This is Yinka Diz. Peace. This is Outlaw. And you listen to the 80s Babies Podcast. And welcome back for part two of our spring recap. We're going to try to keep it brief because we've been talking about these projects for a while now. So we're <laughs> right. going to start with the projects from, you know, 89, 94, and 99. And then we're going to yeah. cap it off with some more recent works that were not as prevalent as the ones that we discussed, but were still projects that either Yinka or myself or both listen to and that we want to discuss. So we're going to start with the debut album from De La Soul, Three Feet High and Rising, released March 3rd, 1989. And I'm going to imagine that you probably have more to say about this album than I do. So why don't you start it off? Sure. The big thing that I will say about this album and everything in the 1989 category, I tried to go back and listen to these records and was not able to find them right (laughs) and so like the only thing that i really want to want to say about these because i mean obviously de la soul everything they ever made is amazing right Right. like they have a great catalog a catalog which largely is not available because of you know the fight that they're having with their their label right Mm -hmm. now but um just the erasure that the streaming era has created right yes and i remember when streaming kind of first came out when spotify first came out i was enamored by it of course I probably spent like 48 hours just in a hole, just like, oh shit, what about this album? Oh shit, what about this album? Creating playlists and playlists of songs that I hadn't heard forever. That's how we know. That's how how our audience knows that Yinka is a true music nerd. Continue. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm in a hole like like all the way in. But I remember reading an article with someone talking about, you know, their fear for the the, the industry, assuming it goes to a streaming model. And this was before it actually had. Yeah. And they said, well... What happens when streaming services maybe have a, a dispute with someone and decide to no longer carry that person's album? Mm, yeah. Now, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the line, it's almost like that album didn't even exist because nobody knew can it interact with it, right? Yeah. Because there's because nobody owns music anymore, so it doesn't exist anywhere. Yeah. And so this is what I want to talk about with these albums is, you know, I haven't heard Three Feet High and Rising in a long time yeah. other than me, myself, and I, right? Because it, it's... It's a great song. It's, you can play it at a cookout. It samples another song you're probably going to play at the cookout. True. So, you know, I mean, I hear that song. But other than that, I haven't really heard this album in a long time. And I wanted to go back and revisit it and was not able to find it. And uh, so that's like my main thing to say about this. And also to whatever asshole robbed me when my <laughs> when, I, when, I, when I lost my hard drive. Remember I told you about people breaking into my car. In Atlanta. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Lost my hard drive. If you remember, De La Soul released their whole discography for free. You could go online and download it. So I went and downloaded their whole discography and I had it, but then I lost my hard drive, so I lost it. So, you know, yeah, I mean, it was a great album from my memory. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to go back and listen to it. Uh, what about you? What you so my first time listening to it was actually recently and I was only able to get through maybe two thirds of the album. Basically, huh. whatever was on YouTube. If you go to YouTube and you look for Three Feet High and Rising Full Album, you will find several playlists. The most has maybe 12 tracks. or Maybe one has 15 tracks, but it's not all from the same project. And it has some skits. So I was able to listen to a little bit of it. And I totally agree with what you're saying in terms of what happens when there's some kind of dispute and you can't find this music on streaming. And that affected one of our podcasts when we did the Make It A Classic for Death Squad El Nino. There was a uh-huh. track that had Too Short on it, yeah. which you could hear, we could hear a snippet of it. And we were both uh-huh. like really excited to go back and analyze this track and we weren't able right. to. It right. really fucking sucked. I understand exactly yeah. what you're talking about when it comes to, you know, the potential erasure of history 
when yeah. we talk about the streaming service and where it's going to go for the future. What uh, I will say about this album, though, is that mm-hmm. I only listened to a few songs here and there. You know, the 12 tracks that they provided, gave it a listen to two times and several things. One, which we'll elaborate on the next album when we talk about Kooji Rap and DJ Polo. But um, the main thing I want to talk about is particularly with Pasta News. I think that heads probably give him a lot of credit, but I'm not sure if the day-to-day hip-hop rhetoric, how much credit we should be giving to Pasta News in terms of how much I feel he def- kind of defined the sound of yeah. the early 90s in the sense okay. that I think that there were a lot of hip-hop groups that definitely emulated what Pasta News and De La So were trying to do, particularly mm-hmm. artists like Arrested Development. I mean, that's a huge one. That's a big right. one. And right. the um, the Diggable Planets, that's another right. big one. You know, right. I think that a lot of times when we talk about native tongues, we really mm-hmm. think about Q-Tip, the abstract, yeah. Try Call Quest, but really, I think it's more De La Soul and Pasta News in terms of what they were able to do. But wasn't Prince Paul the 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 orchestrator of the sound at this? But point I'm referring time? more to the delivery of the rhymes. Okay, that style I think is very distinctly Pasta News, and I'm not okay. sure. I think the heads will give him credit, but I'm mm-hmm. not sure if it's something that we just a day to day when we're having our conversations and we're giving props to cast in the '80s. You know, we mm-hmm. always talk about Rakim, Big Daddy Kane, LL Cool J. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if we give enough credit to pasta news so that's that's all i want to say there in terms of uh, de la soul and de la as a group they definitely were pioneers and absolutely um, and they're definitely you know i always have i always use scarface as my linchpin for people who just have like these unassailable catalogs right like just album after album of amazing material and de la soul i definitely put them up there in that in that discussion Absolutely. So yeah. we're going to go on to the next album. And this is from Kooji Rap and DJ Polo, Road to Riches, released March 14th, 1989. And I had to add this album to the list because, you know, one out of every two episodes, I'm talking about Kooji Rap to some degree. So right. I think this is the debut. And this is obviously one that we need to talk about. Although I will say there isn't all that much to discuss other than two things. One, this album makes me really appreciate The Bomb Squad and Public Enemy in the sense that their album, It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back, was released the previous summer in 1988. And it sounds so much better than this. Like the production and the studio quality it's like you go back and you listen to that and you go back and you listen to this and you're just like, wow, like the Bomb Squad was really, really ahead of their time. Right. So I had to mention that. The other thing I had to say is that the main feature we need to talk about this is obviously the, the song itself, the title of the track, Road to Riches. And what I love most about this song isn't even the song itself. It's Black Thought's respect for this song. So I think it's okay. Pitchfork. I think it's what, whichever one of these uh, YouTube channels they have MCs go back and break down their favorite hip hop lyrics, right? Their favorite hip hop verses. Oh yeah, Black I've Thought heard, breaks down Kooji Rap's oh, "Road to the Riches" dope. and seeing seeing one of my favorite MCs be so enthusiastic about another one of my favorite MCs yeah. and breaking yeah. down the track to me was just like. As a hip hop nerd, like as a music nerd, it's just like it was it was everything to me. So go check that out for sure. Aside from that, I really have nothing else to say about this album. Do you have anything to add? I wasn't able to go back and listen to it. Oh, really? So this is again another album. I mean, I've obviously heard the Daylight more recently. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but this is something that I haven't been able to revisit. I may okay. have probably heard it. I probably heard it in high school, and I don't know if I've heard it since then. All right, so we're gonna move right along to 1994 now, and from Gangstar we have Hard to Earn, released yep. March 8th, 1994. And man, there's a lot to discuss with this album. I feel like this is a time frame, you know, right? We're gonna probably talk a little bit later about J. Rue the Damager, but this is this is kind of where like. You know, my man Primo like kind of hits his stride, it, yeah. right? Gangstar Foundation is up, and like everything he's throwing up there is is ill. Like mm-hmm. so, I mean, he's he's sharing the love, he's giving he's giving some of his beats to other folks, and they're doing their thing as well. And this album is right, you know, kind of down the middle in terms of that. Mm-hmm. The one thing I also say about this album is, um, I and a lot of my friends, probably you included. And Amos will, will, will co-sign this because he just completely does not agree. We've kind of gone in on on Guru, right? We're like, Guru's like... I have not. I've, like, I some have of not my friends have said that Guru is the worst contributor on a, on a DJ Premier track, which I think is absurd. That is but, absurd. But hard to earn. Mm-hmm. Guru actually wraps his ass Guru off shines. on this album. Guru definitely He's on nice this on this album. He is. He is. So that, that's like the one particular thing I want to say, right? Like, this joint has tons of guns. It has Dwick. It has a lot of records that are... Yo. You know, sta- hip hop staples, mass appeal. D W Y C K. Do what you can, kid. One of the hip hop <laughs> anthems. Oh right. my god, yo, that that baseline and then Greg Knight starting it off. For oh, me, ma- mass appeal is w- one of my favorite beats well. ever, and and I I still it's one of my favorite gangstar songs. So like, there's records yeah. on here, right? They code of the streets. Um, yeah, right. Exactly. Speak of cloud, like yeah. this. This album, it was. I skimmed it. I didn't have an opportunity to listen to listen to the whole thing prior to us recording. I had the CD, it's, so I was I was bumping but, this joint two times. But yeah, I went back when I was like, oh shit! I was like, after we like record this, I'm gonna go back and just listen to this whole album again because it's been a, oh, little, a little so while good. since I listened to it. But. It's so good. Do you have any thoughts, additional thoughts that I? I, I don't I, necessarily I have have much to add other than when you talk about Guru. I didn't defend Guru when other people went in on him, so I will yeah. say that. But I've never gone in on Guru because I've always yeah. appreciated him for what he was. Mm-hmm. He is a person who, first of all, he has substance. He definitely yeah. has substance. He has a message, and he is true to the game, true to hip hop music for sure. Mm-hmm. Right? I think that he came in. He was introduced in an era when kind of the style and kind of the versatility that we demanded from rappers that came a little yeah. later, like Biggie, yeah. um, right. you know, like Wu-Tang, like Jay-Z and Nas, Tupac mm-hmm. even. You know, I, I think that he was introduced to hip hop or we were introduced to him at a time when those things weren't as necessary. And right. I think that, okay, fine. If you want to compare 1998, you know, um, Moment of Truth Guru mm-hmm. to, you know, 1998 Jay-Z, I mean, obviously that's not a fair right, fight. Right, right, You know right. what I'm saying? And so what I yeah. think that when you compare even that 1998 guru to people who are up and coming, like Beanie Siegel or what have you, right. it's not necessarily a fair fight. But if you yeah. go back and you listen to 1994 and you contextualize Gangstar with everything else that's coming out around at the time, yes, you have Illmatic coming out. Yes, you had Child Call Quest coming out before that, Snoop, mm-hmm. Biggie, Wu-Tang. I get all that. But still, he still has his place. Right. And the blend with what Premier, Premier was doing with what 
gurus do it. I think absolutely makes sense. Now, that being said, though, I don't think he's the best to do it on a premiere track. This has been litigated on this podcast. To me, it's Biggie and then Nas, and then you can fight amongst everyone else. (laughs) Oh, uh, and uh, honorable mention to somebody who I don't typically give a whole lot of credit to, but Royce the 5'9", boom. Oh, yeah. God, he murdered that song. Uh, But anyway... Amos and E have always been like staunch supporters of Guru and they get oh, okay. really upset when people when people kind of like shit on Guru in terms of his no, I've, I've over, never shot on over Guru. Primo Primo tracks. I'm kind of like you where I've always kind of stayed out of it because yeah. I appreciate Guru for what he yes. is. But when people talk about him being li- a limited, you know, is I, limited. which is funny because his name is Gifted Unlimited Rhymes Universal. But <laughs> for him being a, like a bit one dimensional and a bit limited, I definitely have not gone to bat to defend him in, in, in that respect. Yeah. <laughs> so that should cover that for Gangstar. We're going to move on to Nas. Nas debut album, Illmatic, released yeah. April 19th, 1994. And this is obviously one that we could do an entire tribute to although i think yika brought up a very good point that there's nothing much that we can say about this album that hasn't already been said it is you cannot have the discussion of greatest hip-hop album of all time without mentioning nas ilmatic period yeah there's no however you want to contextualize that conversation however criteria you want to use this mm. album always must be in the conversation. And if Definitely. it's not, I'm not going to listen to anything else you're saying. If this album right. is not in your discussion, Yinka, right. your thoughts. The one thing I'll say that I don't think has been said, because li- like I, like we, we previously said, I think literally almost everything has been said about yes. this album, and there's not really much to say about it, right? It's amazing. Um, the c- collaborators are amazing. It's like, you know, the 92 Dream Team, right? Yes. Like it's like, yes. it's like everybody's amazing, and it's, it's like you'll never be able to recreate what that is ever again right like it's that it's that kind of a moment in hip-hop but the one thing that i will say you know it's it's just kind of a salute me or shoot me is you know they rushed this out as a result of of leaks right right? i actually think and i made this argument when we did the uh the it was written and i think i also may have made it again when we did the i am discussion but i i said that you know Nas kind of never really gave us the album that was like, you know, this is my moment, I'm here mm-hmm. all the way. And I Am was kind of supposed to be that, but, yep. you know, for reasons we discussed on that episode, it kind of fell short. I think had they not had to rush out Illmatic, we could have gotten the skits and the maybe the the kind of different things that would have made this feel like a more personal album. Yeah. And so that's that's the one kind of take that I'll add to this is that like I feel like because of the fact that they rushed it out, we didn't get the same introspection about who Nas is as a person that you get when you listen to Ready to Die, right? Yeah. Like after you listen to Ready to Die, you're like, okay, I, I know who Biggie is. Yes. Like I know I know what his motivations are. I know how he is, and we didn't necessarily get that from Nomadic, but we still got a fucking amazing classic five mic album. So I'm, I'm cool. Here's where I'm going to take what you said and provide my own little tangent. And I'm going to go far left field with this. But I am going to almost compare this album in terms of the identity of Nas. I'm going to compare this to the Twilight novels. Now, I've never read the Twilight novels. But there is a comic that I respect who did read the first one. And he broke it down and he said essentially the reason why this book resonates with so many different people is because the main character, I think her name is like Bella or whatever, um, she's essentially 
she's hardly ever described. You know, the all of the other characters that she interacts with, I think it's the um whoever the vampire the is. The vampire right? person? Yeah, whoever that okay. person is. Is yeah. very like every single detail about him is described. But there's mm-hmm. hardly anything about her that is described. Okay. And I think in so doing, what he says is that all the readers are able to essentially put themselves in her position. Uh, and, wow, that's and interesting. Then they're able to resonate with all of whatever she's feeling, yeah. right? Like they're they're able to put themselves inside that character. Right. And the reason why I bring that up, and you can huh, obviously you obviously get where I'm going with this, yeah. is that maybe Nas didn't necessarily tell us who he was, but I mm-hmm. think that this album definitely resonates with all of the introspective hip hop listeners. And mm-hmm. I think that because it's so observational. Mm-hmm. that we're able to just sit down and listen and like we hear what he's saying but yeah. we almost we almost ourselves exactly and yeah. i think that okay fine maybe we're not getting who nas really is unlike mm. biggie with ready to die we definitely understand right. who he is you know right. what i mean but uh-huh. the idea of being in an environment and observing everything around you and just right. discussing that you right. know what i mean and just hmm. and reflecting on that, I think that this yeah. album is definitely for for heads like us. I think that yeah. you know, a lot of like early '90s or m- early to mid '90s New right. York hip hop is often characterized as you know backpack and headphones. You got your yep. backpack, you got your headphones. You're on the subway, you're nodding your head, and you're just vibing, right? This right. album to me epitomizes that entire mindset. I oh, think yeah. for some of the reasons that I just stated out. So right. For that, um, and because you know the music is so great, the lyrics are so right, great. Right, right. You know, I, it's, that's it's dope. dope. I, 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 that, that's a really dope perspective, and a really it's actually kind of mind blowing. So I, I appreciate you kind of sharing that. I think that's really like a dope kind of way to look at it. My taking your tangent to another tangent. <laughs> we talk a lot about you know current state of, of, of affairs, right, and how cult of personality is such a big big deal, right. And, and so we love Cardi Ooh. B because we we feel like we relate to Cardi B and we know every detail about her. She records herself basically when she goes to the bathroom. Like we know <laughs> we know everything about her, right? Do you think that that would be acceptable for you to be a superstar, iconic artist in 2019, where everybody wants to know every detail about you? the kind of point of view perspective where you give limited detail about yourself so that the the person who is the audience becomes a part of the scene and it's almost like they're looking around and they're seeing your your day to day i can't picture it yeah i don't know necessarily know that that would work and maybe that's the reason why the quote unquote coming out party for Nas was I am right where they made him into a sex symbol and he he was fly and he had puffy with them and you know the whole nine because cult of personality sells mm-hmm. it's like your environment's cool but like you know 10 year old girls on the playground don't care about your your neighborhood like they want to see the part and the chip tooth and and you know you you telling us about how you do whatever to whatever chicks right yeah <laughs> but anyway we took that on a on a long tangent Elmatic is Elmatic. there's not really that yeah. much you could say about it it's it's the holy grail of hip hop yeah we just we just have to give a little bit of praise because we we made it was written a, into a classic or at least we tried right. to and it wasn't because we were sitting on that album yeah we were just trying to you know maybe shoot a little higher than some of the low-hanging fruit 
obviously that low hanging fruit was I Am, which was a really easy album for me to pick apart. And some people right. listened to that episode and loved it. And other people were thinking, Man. oh my God, it's already a classic. You don't need to change anything. Yeah. Whatever, you're entitled to your opinion. Link and I are entitled to ours. <laughs> So it is what a it couple, is. A couple people hit me, yo, on the lower were like, yo, I loved Undying Love. Yeah. That's cool. That's and I cool. was like, I loved Undying Love too, but now I'm in my 30s. Yes. So I, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I don't love Undying Love anymore. No, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I was like real. all of like 14, 15 years old when I heard that. So. Right. All right. So we're going to move on to uh, April 26th. From Outkast, we have Southern Playalistic Cadillac Music, the debut from yeah. Outkast and Organized Noise, it has to be said. Yeah. Yinka, go. Amazing album. Mm-hmm. Album that me personally, I feel as though I never gave this album a fair shake until recently. Wow. In that, in that, ATLians, like okay. I said, that album changed my life, right? Yes, so okay. that's that album is in my five. If I have to leave Earth and I have to pack five albums, ATLians is in my bag. Okay. Um, you know, Aquemini, mm-hmm. also crazy, you know, transcendental work. So to me, those are Outcast's best albums. I would agree. I've had folks, you know, come back and say Southern Playlist of Cadillac Music. And I'm like, especially at the beginning of the album, some of the records sound kind of dated, right? And so as a result of that, me going back to listen to Southern Playlist to Cadillac Music because I didn't listen to it when it came out, right? Like I wasn't, I wasn't into hip hop in '94, right? Mm-hmm. Or uh, real hip hop. I was, I was listening to whatever's on the radio. So those two albums are so amazing that I've listened to them a million times. Yes. Southern Playlist to Cadillac Music, I've listened to a few times, but going back and listen to it, this is an amazing album. Like when you it's take it good. out of the context of the fact that they made those two albums that are two of the most important hip hop albums of all time after. Mm-hmm. This is an amazing album, and it's I really, good. really enjoyed listening back to it. What are your thoughts? I don't really have anything to add to that other than I think the first time I heard this album was mm-hmm. when I was a junior or senior in high school. Okay. And someone played the song, Southern uh, Playlist Cadillac Funky Music. And I remember being blown away. Now, this is well after the song was released. This had to be like 2001 or 2000. I was hearing that song for the first time. And then it made me go back and listen to the entire album. In fact, I think it was that my experience listening to that song, wanting to go back and listen to this album, is actually what made me go back and listen to AT Aliens. Because at the time, I'd only known a few of the hits from AT Aliens. You know, obviously the song AT Aliens, Elevators, Millennium. I knew those tracks, but I hadn't actually gone back and listened to the whole thing start to finish and really tried to digest it. So, you know, you know, stands out for me, obviously, Ain't No Thing, Southern Playlist, Cadillac Music, Players Ball, that was a big hit. And to me, I mean, the joint that I can still just ride to, I'm not all that big into weed, but Crumbling Herb. Yes. I was just about My to say God. that, yo. My Amazing. God. I love that track. What about uh, what about Get Up, Get Out? <laughs> to be honest, I like whatever. Didn't they come out with like a remake with Macy Gray? Maybe. I actually I like that version more than I like the version on this album. Oh, I love that song. And and I, I think it's a song where we get to see CeeLo shine, which yeah. I think CeeLo is one of the most underrated, probably like hip hop artists of our time. Yeah, I'd have to contemplate that. But yeah, this is definitely yeah. a dope debut from Outkast, from Organized Noise. And you definitely have to mention Organized Noise when you mention this album. For sure. So now we're going to go on to an album from J. Rude the Damager, The Sun Rises in the East, released May 24th, 1994. And Yinka, 
you put this on the list. I've never listened to this album, so it's, wow. it's all you. Yeah, it's all you, baby. Yeah, man, this is just like this is again Primo in his prime, right? Like, okay. so he gave us the the Gangstar album, Hard to Earn, and then we got J. Rue the Damager, which is this is like the I don't eat no swine, you know what I'm saying? Almost quote, quote unquote Hotep, if you want to call it, uh, right. you know, of this era. But J. Rue the Damager was dope. Come Clean is on this album. Like I do like this, that track, Come Clean. Yeah, this album is considered by many people to be a classic, and it's actually in that book I told you about that's like the 25 most important hip-hop albums of all time. Really? Okay. And The Sunrises in the East is on that list. The first person who brought this to me was Amos. That seems like the type that yeah. you would bring to you, yeah. And Amos was, re- was really into this, and this was around the time of, you know, us all having all these contemplations of who's the best on a primo track and guru getting slandered and etc and you know the only person i've probably ever heard posit j rue in that conversation is actually amos and this is the album that he kind of brings up but you should definitely go back and listen to this album this album is actually dope yeah okay so that's all i'll say all right cool so we're gonna go to 1999 and there's a couple of albums that we're just gonna list real quick but we've already covered them so that's nas i am released april mm-hmm. 6 1999 we just did the make it a classic for that episode where yink and i definitely give our praise but we also shit all over that album and nashadamas as well um <laughs> then we got the uh sound bombing two from ruckus released may 18th 1999 we did our tribute to that that right. album, that episode got a lot of praise. Shout out to Panama for giving us a big shout out there. And um, yeah. Can I hit a couple of these other ones that we passed? Go ahead. Crazy Bone, Thug Mentality, 1999. We'll never forget this album. I was in a rap group in high school. Two of the contributing members, or four of us, two of the, the members loved Bone Thugs. Like they wanted to be in Bone Thugs. They, they, they were their role models. This was the album that made me realize that Crazy Bone, one, is super duper talented, and two, in a way, is kind of like the transcendent talent and the the mastermind behind what is the, the Bone Thug sound. Okay. Uh, it was a double disc, and it was really dope. So, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. All right. <laughs> Ride or Die Volume 1, Rough Riders. Yeah. Rough Riders becomes a camp. We get a solo from Jadakiss. The first time here within the Rough Riders situation that we have a Jada. When you Jade to the Ma, then you kiss to the death. <laughs> he murders this. DMX has two solo records on here. That was huge. No Limit Top Dog. I was listening to Questlove's podcast, Questlove Supreme, which if you guys haven't heard Questlove's podcast, it's only available on Pandora, which sucks because Pandora sucks. Sorry. Um, if you guys give us a sponsorship, I'll take it back. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but you know, Questlove Supreme is so good, especially for people like artists that you like, because Questlove is a music nerd and he's an unapologetic music nerd. Yeah. So when he interviews these people, he asks nerdy musical questions. It's not like, oh, who did you date? Uh, how does it feel to work with Martha Stewart? Like, you know what I mean? It's not the it's not the like the, the takes that you get from from like normal joints. It's like. Yo, that one snare off that one record, like, did you sample it from here? You know what I mean? It's like, mm. he has those types of conversations with them. Yeah. But he was talking to Snoop about, you know, his albums and about, you know, who did you take more away from? Was it like what you learned from Dr. Dre or what you learned from Master P? Like, who's kind of better to work with X, Y, and Z? So Snoop kind of talked about his transition, you know, leaving Suge and, and Dre behind. And, and, you know, he said, yo, he said, Master P saved my life. 
And Master P put me in a situation that, you know, I really, really needed at the time. And he said, you know, as a result of that, when I came to No Limit and I did my first album, I said, look, he, I feel like he quoted a number too. Like he said something like, yo, Master P gave me $5 million or $2 million or whatever it was to, for my first album. He said, so for me, I was like, you bought me. So my first album is going to be a No Limit album. Just tell me what to do. I'm going to show up and I'm going to deliver. I'm going to give you the album that you purchased. So he said, so as a result of that, if you've ever heard The Game Is To Be Sold, Not To Be Told, that album fucking sucks. It's, mm-hmm. it's horrible. It's Snoop over Beats By The Pound, and a lot of it doesn't work, and the songs just aren't that good. No Limit Top Dog, he said, was, okay, so now I've given Master P the Snoop Dogg Master P album. Now, give me my creative control back, and I'm going to make a Snoop Dogg album that sounds like Snoop Dogg. And he was like, and that's the reason why, like, this is, you know, Dr. Dre's back on this. I think this is the one that had a beat, please, with uh, with Exhibit and all of them. Like, this is good like, track. yeah, this is a, a pretty good album. And so okay. he's like, this is Snoop Dogg as Snoop Dogg. And so that was that was a really dope album as well. Okay. The last album we have for 1999, right. uh, Slick Rick, the Art of Storytelling, released May 25th. And I don't have all that much to say about this album other than Uh I did buy it at the time. And I've gone back to listen to it twice. Mm -hmm. It's the first time I've done so in 20 years. Yeah, I enjoyed it, but I also understand why I probably won't be listening to it again anytime (laughs) soon. Yeah, I remember this album coming out as well. At this point, I'm fully an outcast almost stand yeah. in that their music is so amazing that anything they fucking do I'm buying it right Obviously. Street Talking was a single mm-hmm. Big Boy killed it at the yeah. time I had the unpopular opinion that you know I think that and I still kind of feel this way and we've, we've talked about this I think you shot me you didn't salute me but that's fine that Andre 3000 content wise is obviously the, the much more talented of the two but Big Boy flow and delivery I feel like he actually is a standout talent in, bah, bah, in bah, 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 Right, and I, I think over time, Dre's, Dre's flow has has evolved to now to a point like I mean, you listen to him on um, what is it, Ventura or yeah. what's what's a uh, Anderson uh, Park coming Anderson Park most like home, yeah. literally his cadences have like evolved so much. But back mm-hmm. then, yo, Big Boy, delivery wise, flow wise, like yo, he was he was unmatched. Yo, still like, getting shots from Outlaw, a beast. I know you you're Andre's your guy. He is that's my guy. cool. But um, but anyway, so Street Talker comes out. I love Big Boy on it. Big Boy is, you know, I went from players ball to bow hogging to bow hogging to street talking it. You know, he's 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 giving me that big boy rapid fire flow that I really liked. Yeah. So I bought this album off the strength of that and the fact that all of the people who are hip hop head purists that were older than me told me that Slick Rick is the greatest storyteller of all time. Which and the not. great adventures of Slick Rick is amazing. But this is back in the day when I didn't have fucking Spotify, so I didn't have it because I would have had to go out and pay $18 to get it from some section in the back right. of the record store. So this was me trying to engage with someone that they told me that I need to be more aware of while also seeing that there's a Nas feature seeing that there's a big boy feature seeing that there's a Raekwon feature and so I also bought this album yeah that Nas feature goes hard yo me Me and Nas Nas bring it to you hardest yeah that shit goes yeah 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 so I think like you said I I probably if I revisit this I probably just gonna listen to it once Uh, but it's not a bad album like the production is dope 
it's interesting because I really liked Street Talking and I really mm -hmm. liked that beat. And I know you hate Jazzy Faye. I know. It's funny to see that it's a Jazzy Faye beat because it's really good. I didn't, I didn't, I, maybe I didn't know who Jazzy Faye was at this time, but yeah. I, I don't remember, you know, being like, oh, the producer's Jazzy Faye. Like, I may not have been familiar with him at the time. But that record is hard. You still yeah. like it? Street Talking is one of my highlights for the album. Along yeah. with, um, yeah, me and Nas bring it to a hardest, who rotten them, uh, King Peace in the chess game, though. But also, um, Why, yeah. Why, Why was a good record for me, and Memories. Mm -hmm. Like, this, this is a good album. It's got yeah, good it stuff is. on it. It but, is. Um, yeah. Clark Kent, man, is super underrated. Though. He is. I will definitely give you that. Yeah, yeah. when you talk about underrated people sometimes i'm like eh. yeah but clark kent yes i agree is definitely Super underrated. underrated yeah all right so we're gonna try to wrap this up briefly we just kind of <laughs> want to go over some records that came out in 2019 that are probably worth discussing just for a few minutes here and there um so we're going to start it off with uh the baby's album which came out march 1st of this year is that the baby's debut, right? Maybe, yeah, I guess. You listened to this album, yes? I did. I listened to it as well. I cannot tell you what it sounded like because I only listened to it one time. And this yeah. this is like last week that I listened to this album. I still can't tell you what it sounded like. That being said, though, yeah. I don't want to diss it because I don't remember not liking it. I just yeah. can't remember what it sounded like. But he's yeah. been in the news a lot lately, right? Yeah, fighting people. Why has he been fighting people? What's all that about? You know, honestly, I and it's sad that I have to be so skeptical about everything, but like, yeah. I wonder if like this is all even a thing or if this is just, you know, like everybody has to have an image that people interact with. I've seen what people, you know, kind of tweet about and, and yeah. Facebook about, and like, I've seen people be like, oh, he's a real nigga. Like, he knocked, he, he knocked this person out on camera. He fought this person. He brought a gun to this. Like, obviously, he's real. That, obviously right. that's a true reflection of your talent. So, yeah. <laughs> You're right. So, so people are like want to want to engage with his music because I guess you know he says tough shit and then supposedly he does tough shit in real life. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and that's fine. Like you said, like I don't give a fuck about that shit when it comes to the music. Yeah. Music is music, and all that theatrics and stuff is something separate. The one thing I will say about this is, have you heard the record Suge on here? Yeah, man, that is an energy record right now. Um, and I I spun on Wednesday, and I actually dropped this towards the end of my set. The way people in their 20s go up to Suge is something different, dog. It's not quite Cardi B levels of, of energy, but it is it is up there. Like, people love that record. I will take note of that because I have a set coming up too, so I'll make sure. To oh, dog, that, drop that Suge and watch. I'll put that in there for sure. And watch. Uh, but, you know, again, like, I, I think I said this to you off mic, right? Like, the production here is good. Mm -hmm. It's a little monotonous, but it's it's dope. Like the beats, the beats here are really dope. Yeah. Um, like they're like they're fun. They have a lot of energy. The baby is like just a, a serviceable. He's a serviceable rapper, right? Like he's he has a nice voice. Yeah. His flow is pretty much the same, and he's so like how do how do I put it? He's so just serviceable. That like his voice almost becomes an instrument on the tracks to me. Like, like I don't even I don't even hear that he's there. It just sounds like like I'm listening to an instrumental almost, right? That's fair. I, I think um, that based off of what I'm hearing, I feel like he's gonna be around for a while because mm -hmm. he's popped up on some other projects. And I'm like, oh okay, the baby. Yeah. But is it the baby or Lil Baby? Because you know that's those no, are two different it's, people. It's, it's the baby. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so because Lil Baby popped like like maybe in the last year because of being collaborating with uh with Drake. Right. Okay. 
right and then the baby came out and a lot of people have like been confused like is that the same guy you know because everybody there's like 30 yeah. different people with lil or baby in their name now mm-hmm. um but uh but this album i, I was telling you is kind of like production wise it's like it's like if if Meg Thee Stallion was a much more mediocre rapper, like if she was like, if she was male and like mediocre, like the, like the production is still really good. It has a lot of energy, yeah. but she's a much better rapper than he is. Gotcha. Uh, so released the same day, March 1st, from Blue and Oh No, we have a long red hot Los Angeles summer night. Did you listen to this? I did not. I listened okay. to the other Blue album that came out around, around this time though. Okay. The Blue and Exile. Blue and Exile had another joint come out? Yeah, they just came out with a new album also in March. Okay, so I'll talk about this one. You can talk about yeah. that one. All Go right, so this one is a little interesting. Essentially, it's, if I can get this correctly, it all kind of okay. plays out over the course of a night. Okay. In the sense that it reminds me of the Prince Paul project, um, oh, Prince of Thieves. In the sense that it's all kind of like one story. There's no skits, though. So you just kind of have to pay attention to kind of figure out what they're doing. Okay. Some of it doesn't really make sense because it seems like it starts out. He's kind of like setting the tone for Los Angeles. Right. And then okay. it actually goes into what happens. Right. It's a story. He goes out with his boys to this party. He goes outside the party, sees his chick at the pool, tries to seduce the joint. And then he gets robbed. Then he gets his boys to go out and, and get retaliation. Then they get caught. And then when he goes to jail, it's like, oh, I got framed for a crime that you did. It's like, wait, what? So hold on. Who's, what happened to the first part of the movie? Like, is this a Quentin Tarantino movie? Like, what's going on? Like, I don't, right. I don't get it. So at some point, it's like some other guy or it's blue. I don't really know exactly. Um, okay. But it's essentially, it's, it's a story that you can follow along. Um, okay. I think that... It made me wish that Blue was on that Prince Paul project and not... Ah, uh, because uh, uh, it's rather than Breeze Overflowing? Yeah, because, you yeah. know, I, I'm not a big fan of uh, Sean right, right. Breeze at all. So, But I think, though, that if you listen to this and you can kind of envision what Prince Paul did as well, and, and yeah. or if you can think about what Prince Paul did and then envision like Prince Paul working with Blue on a project of a similar okay. story, I think that would be dope. Yeah. That's pretty much all I have to say about this one. Tell me about the other, no. the Blue and Exile project. Somehow I missed that. Yeah, so the Blue and Exile project actually is kind of, it, it's an EP. Oh, um, okay. So it's really only like three new full tracks and okay. then the rest of it is like instrumentals and remixes. And oh, okay, okay. And that's like that's that. probably but, why I missed it. But I mean, the, the songs were dope. I kind of played it in the background while I, you know, was cleaning up. So I, I, I want to go back and like digest it more. Okay. But it was just kind of refreshing to hear that sound again because, you know, they definitely were kind of trying to rekindle that magic that they mm-hmm. have on Beneath the Heavens. Right. Um, and I also thought it was interesting that they named it True and Living because um, Zion I has a very famous, I don't know if you're familiar with Zion I, the, uh, the underground hip hop group from Oakland. No, uh, I'm but not. they had. But one of their more famous projects as a group uh, was also called True and Living. So I wonder oh, okay. if they like, I don't know if there was some sort of a nod to that or, or what. Okay. But anyway. All right. So we're going to go on to the end of March. We have um, a Just Another Gangster from Birdman and Juvenile released March 29th. Did you listen mm-hmm. to this? I did not. And I probably should have. Yeah. So, okay. The title track, Just Another Gangster, I happen mm-hmm. to really like. I bumped to it. I shared this track with some friends. I was like, yo, like, what do you think? Is this bump or is it just me? And they all laughed at me. So clearly I was the only one feeling this song. 
Um, the rest of the album is just kind of meh, but it was cool to hear Juvenile back at it, especially with he and Birdman, to see right. that they're on the same page and working together. I liked it. And I was never a huge Juvenile fan, but he's right. always somebody who I liked that he was there, and he's always someone that I had respect for. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the old school, not old school, but like the 90s NOLA rappers, Mm-hmm. Uh, Juvenile has always had a place in my heart Even though I'm not really a big fan like that I'm right. not sure if our listeners can really Reconcile those two competing ideas But what I'm saying is that I'm glad that he's still making music And I'm, I was happy for this project Even though it's just kind of meh But mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, glad to see him back at it Yeah, I would say that I, I would agree uh, Had I listened to it So I probably should give it a second Alright, so we're going to go on to an album from Eric Sermon called Vernia, which I believe is named after his grandmother who recently passed away. Oh, wow. Um, That's released April 19th, 2019. Did you listen to this? I did not. Okay. I I love Eric Sermon, so I probably should have. I know, that's why I thought you would have. Um, It was all right. Mm. I I really had nothing else to add to it other than it was all right. There was some some dope joints on here, but I don't know. It's not something that I needed to listen to more than Mm -hmm. once. Um, He's got a song on here called The Game with AZ, Styles P, and Mike Checks. It sounds dope, but there's no drums. I'm like, why don't you put a drum on here? He's got another song called Cabinet, which is kind of like a throwback to like silly concept records that people used to do mm-hmm. where it's like where basically it's like oh if i had a cabinet and i was a president mm-hmm. these were the people i put in my cabinet and he says why like mm-hmm. and it's not for any political reasons it's just like oh someone would be the 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 secretary of education because this reason like i can't even mm-hmm. cite what those are but that sounds corny to be honest it was it was definitely Is corny it? but it was kind of like a throwback to some corny records we've heard from the 90s yeah go Go back and listen to it, especially because you're you're a bigger Eric Sherman fan than I am. Um, I like him, but not as much as you do. But but yeah. All right. So now we're going to go to two records that I want to talk about. One that was released uh, April 20th and the other that was released uh, May 17th. And they both feature a, a producer named Static Selecta. Yeah. The one that was released April 20th was features Bun B. That's called mm-hmm. Trill Static. Yep. And the one that was released May 17th is called Gran Turismo yep. by uh, with Currency and Static Selecta. Mm-hmm. Did you get a chance to listen to these? I have. Oh, man. What did you think? Because I was really impressed. I really like both of them. I like well. both of them, too. Yeah, Do you have a preference yeah. for which one you like more? Man, you know, honestly, individually, I might, I might go with the currency. Really? Okay, because I um, might go for the for the Bun B, but I don't yeah. think your currency decision is wrong. I really like both of these projects. Yeah, they're both great projects. I think currency, we kind of got more currency, mm-hmm. at, whereas you know, um, in some ways, Bun B plays curator a yeah, little bit here, where this like you know, there's like a lot of features and stuff yeah. like that. So but it's they a little work bit more, like, though. Yeah, they oh, for sure. Up. I mean that so, that joint uh, still trill with Method Man yeah. and Graph. I mean, oh my God, that be yo. This record kind of, in a way, and this is going to be a funny comparison, it reminds me of the big three. Okay. It's like, you know, it's like a bunch of cats that, like, we loved in their heyday, and they're, like, all kind of coming back to show us that they still got it. You know yeah. what I mean? I feel uh, so, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I like both of these projects. To me, the big standout on both mm-hmm. of these projects isn't even Bun B or Currency. It's Holly Supreme. He's uh, all over both of these projects. He's a guy who's he's kind of singing in this falsetto. It's like everything I'd uh-huh. want Pharrell to sound like. Holly <laughs> Supreme sounds like it. It's all, he almost sounds like Masego a little bit. Oh, um, yeah. 
this dude this dude is, is dope he's all over here but yeah yeah i'd never heard of static selector before what i never had this is my oh, first time wow. listening to it but i was so impressed and he's yeah. an early candidate for my producer of the year because of wow. these two projects i yo these albums are dope they're yeah. so dope yeah i will say like and you know you, you can probably shoot me but so so static selector probably came on the scene during what i'll call the blog era right um right and at the time, it was Static Selected and Terminology. You're familiar okay. with Terminology. Yeah, right? he's on one of these projects as well, I think. Right. He, so Terminology actually reminds me a little bit of Yinka Diz. Really? Yeah, y'all kind of have a similar good. style, but go ahead. <laughs> but yeah, Terminology, like, um, he uh, he was kind of getting a lot of accolades, like, in the blog era. So let's say, like, late 20, like, 2000. So, like, maybe yeah, the late 09, oh, 2010, 2011. Like, right. around that time, he was, like, really kind of killing the game. And Static Selector was his DJ. So Static oh, okay. Selector was putting out projects, and he was putting out projects, and they would always collaborate with each other. Static Selector, which, if you haven't had a chance to, definitely go back and check out some of his material. Static Selector would put out these kind of mixtapes that were almost like dj clue type mixtapes with with okay. just a lot of just like dope mcs right let's say it'd be like 15 tracks there'd be like a freddie gibbs join a terminology join uh who, you know whoever else was popping at the time currency and then the like all the beats would be produced by by terminology i mean i'm sorry uh static selector yeah the, my criticism of static selector was that like it, <laughs> i didn't like his drums and okay. I felt like his beats were just essentially like the sample was doing all the work, right? Like he would take like a like a fairly known sample that's probably been sampled by somebody else. It would just kind of be a loop and then he would let MCs kind of come on and do their thing. He might okay. put some actual static, like the sound of static on top of the, the sample, but it pretty much just be the sample. Um, I really think he's outdone himself on these two projects. Uh, and I, I really... I really felt like he evolved and I feel yeah. like I've seen his evolution over time because like I said, some of those early projects, I was like, nah, they're okay. Um, the first two I actually really liked, but not necessarily because of the production. So the first one's called spell my name, right? The second one's called stick to the script. So when you have an opportunity, go back and listen to those two albums. Cause I think okay. you'll really enjoy them. Well, look, I cannot speak to the evolution because like yeah. I said, it's the first time I'm listening to him, but yeah, mm -hmm. I'm really impressed. And yeah. just, how jazzy and policy sound these records yeah, sound and yeah. yes bun b is definitely the curator on the first one but all the features mm -hmm. work and currency yep. on the second one i mm -hmm. mean you know just, just how both of these projects are dope so yeah you know big shout out to static selector and the work he yep. did with bun b and, Cur and currency if he has yeah. another one dropping i'm gonna listen to that one as well so <laughs> yeah. all right and i'm sure he will yo he's he's a fairly productive guy Okay. Um, he seems to be really cool. And one of the main things that I'll say about him is he really gives it up to the legends. Yeah. And I think as a result of that, a lot of them want to work with him. Like he was one of the first people I saw when he started to get a name. He would always be like, the only reason I'm here is because of DJ Premier. The only reason I'm here is because of DJ Premier. And DJ Premier obviously has shown him that love back. So like okay. DJ Premier has brought him around a lot of those folks and stuff like that. He's from Boston. So, you know, like guru, you know, gangstar family, et cetera. Okay. All right. So we're going to move on to April 26th. And from Pete Rock, we have Return of the SP 1200. Uh, did you listen to this? My comment here is How does Pete Rock have an album out that I didn't know was out? It was, it was I, Maybe it was, I'm derelict. For the that. only reason why I know this album came out is because I looked at the Wikipedia hip hop in 2019 and yeah. this album show, shows up. It's an instrumental album. Is it it's good? cool. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, look, it's exactly what you would expect. 
it's like instrumentals that you can picture MCs rapping over. Uh-huh. Um, so it's not like in the same way that like RJD2 Dead Ringer, right? It's not like that. Mm-hmm. So these are just beats. But yeah, it's got some dope beats on there as well. I'm not sure if any of them sound like new stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they, they sound new in the sense that like you can tell that they were recently made. They don't mm-hmm. sound like old projects, but the style is old. But it's yeah. all dope. I mean, there's a lot of good tracks on here. Cool Jazz, yeah. Death Becomes You, Take a Knee, Food for Thought, A Kalimba Story I really liked. Um, yo, there's a lot of there's a lot of good tracks on here. Oh. Right. So next we got SP the Goat, Ghost of All Time from Styles P, released May 3rd. Did you listen to this? I haven't listened to the SP the Goat, no. All right, so uh, my coworker put me on to the, the Ghost album that Styles P did last spring and i listened to it and i really enjoyed that i listened to this one as well i enjoyed it as well he's got a, a couple songs on there so much to say i really liked out in the jungle i really liked but yeah i mean it's i was never a big styles p fan and i'm finding myself liking this music so and it's it's nothing unexpected right but i think that when the locks Styles P, Jada, when they were doing that whole D-block thing, mm-hmm. I, I didn't necessarily like the beats then, but mm-hmm. I like these beats now. And so That's I'm dope. able to tolerate what he's doing on the mic a lot more yeah. so than I was maybe 15 years ago. Yeah, I think Styles P is definitely the the best, uh, uh, I guess, executive producer out of the group, right? Okay. Like His individual projects just seem more well thought out. The production is better. You know, they seem to be better sequenced, etc. So I definitely need to check this out. And it's wild because Styles has been so productive, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's like, I mean, dude might have released like 10 projects over the last like five, six years, right? Like, he's putting yeah, out a lot of a music. Lot. So a lot. I definitely need to go back and check this out. All right. So from Diamond D, we have the Dime Piece 2 released May 10th. Uh, did you check this one out? Nope. Thoughts? It's not bad. <laughs> uh oh. It's definitely worth listening to. Uh-huh. He's got a track on here with Pharaoh Much. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's kind of dope. He's got a track on here called Three Kings with Eric Sermon and Havoc, and it's obviously uh-huh. produces on the mic. Yeah. It's leaves a lot to be desired in terms of the fact that they're not the best producers on the mic in my opinion uh, I, I still think that that is something that needs to get litigated mm-hmm. um, I spoke with Panama about possibly doing a, an episode where we actually tried to define who is the, the best definitive best producer on the mic but that is a shout out to them but look I gotta say the way this album ends mm-hmm. Children of the Ghetto again with Styles P and Exhibit and Ashton Martin this beat is off the chain Mm-hmm. The, yo, this song is off the chain. It's got some dope tra- tracks on here. Um, Talib Kweli comes with it. He's got a good mm-hmm. verse on this track called The Zone Out. Also with uh, Tara Van Poo, who I don't know, and some other cat, Nico. Is Nico Eyes something? Mm-hmm. I don't know who that is, but Talib Kweli's got a good feature on here. And the last track on here, Hold Up, with Twista, AFRO, and Dylan. All you know, tongue-twisting MCs. Mm. I'm not a big fan of that style, but this record is dope. So oh. Diamond D, Dime Piece 2, mm. start to finish was was okay, but mm. the, the way this album ends in particular, I thought was really, really dope. The only thing I can say about this project, because I haven't heard it yet, is I did see the video. The, the I guess it's probably the only video that they have from, from this project, and maybe there's more. But uh, it's a track with Lord Tariq, and uh, someone else 
they just seem kind of washed like like you know what i mean it, it the the video is just like kind of them and they're they're standing outside and they're you know um you know kind of rapping their verses you know there's gray and all their beards and it's just like almost like watching like your dad and his friends like kind of get back together and you know just like kind of reminisce on times when they you know were running shit like that that's kind of how it felt to me you know what i mean so what i can say is that look start to finish yeah this album you know it's got some tracks that leave a lot to be desired and the ones that you're just mentioning yeah that's not one of the highlights but the ones that i mentioned those are like all right the songs in my opinion that are worth listening to feral match omg that that joint is definitely worth listening to of course got it covered with oc and adela that's a good joint children of the ghetto with styles p exhibit ashton martin chivas blanc the hit with doo-wop, Tony Toka, Terminology, right? Mm-hmm. I just mentioned him previously. Mm-hmm. The Zone Out with Talib Kweli, Terry Van Poo, and Nico Eyes. And then Hold Up with Twista, AFRO, and Dylan. Mm-hmm. Those tracks are definitely the standouts to me. Go back and listen to those at the very least. Okay. You, I th- Yinka, I think, will like those. Oh, I'm definitely going to peep it because I, I really like Diamond D as a producer. Uh, All right. So the next one, we got a big one, I think, for Yinka anyway. We have For Real, For Real released May 24th. This is from YG. What do you think, man? I think it's bad. Um, you think it's bad? Yeah, I just don't think it's good at all. Um, Interesting, I mean, my, because uh, I actually enjoyed this more than I enjoyed his previous project. Agreed. In the sense that... You know, this actually had some character that if I were to think about YG, this is what I think a YG album would sound like. What I have to say, though, is that, you know, we highlighted before just how good the studio quality sounded for the baby albums and for Megan the Stallion albums. The studio quality on this album is anything but. It sounds yeah. like it was made from, like, some cheap equipment. But it still has some joints I was rocking to, like, do your dance, do your dance. I was like, okay, like, it's got a nice little West Coast think- vibe to it. I can fuck with it. I think we've we've spoken, you know, I actually this this kind of goes back to our our cheating the system conversation, right? Um, All right? So everything now is about clout, relevance, engagement and, you know, streams, right? Right. So I think with this album and so it, it sounded to me like very rushed and it mm-hmm. sounded like somebody who is essentially trying to capitalize uh, their buzz by, by keeping their name in the conversation by quickly mm-hmm. just putting putting something else out, just another project out. It didn't sound well thought out. There was no real theme to it or anything like that. Like it just That's to fair. me, it was just a project that just like like how people put out mixtapes back in the day just to kind of keep their name hot in the streets that's that's what yeah. it sounded like to me so okay yeah. all right well the last one we have um which we don't necessarily need to discuss too much is uh ignorance is bliss by skepta mm-hmm. released may 31st and the only reason why i wanted to mention this album is mm-hmm. because skepta is a name that i've i've seen and i knew he was like a, a uk grime artist yeah um, but I'd never really listened to it, so I listened to this album. It was okay, I guess. I won't be listening to it again. Oh, wow. Did you by chance listen to this one, or do you have any thoughts about Skepta? I haven't listened to it. Um, my thought about Skepta is that Skepta. It's funny that Drake, you know, loves Skepta so much and you know wants to be Skepta and all that because. Ooh. You know, the, in many ways, like where Skepta sits to me in the UK is very similar to where Drake sits in that like he's definitely like the face and like the kind of the one of the forefront most popular grime artists. But he's never been my favorite. Really? Um, yeah. So I, think he's I don't cool. think he's nice. Yeah. I think he can flow. I think he has a vibe. I don't think he's lyrically talented at all. Yeah, he's never been one of my favorite, my favorite uh, grime artists at all. 
And I haven't heard this project, but it might be good. I don't know. The other thing, too, is that he's got too many verses where he's almost like talking about like an inside joke mm. in the sense that like he's got this one song and this one verse in the song where he talks about like oh i broke up with my girlfriend we're still cool there's no beef and i'm like i don't give a fuck <laughs> Why? like i don't like that's just between you and her dog none of us know this chick we don't fucking care and Maybe. there's a lot of little inside things on like that that he mentions and i'm like you know what though I, nobody cares you know what now that you say that and i'm out we probably should look it up off mic but um I think Skepta was dating somebody really famous, like uh, maybe right? like like a model or something. And so maybe that's his attempt at you know having like like public discourse about something that people might actually care about, right? Because if he's dating a celebrity, and I'm about to look it up right now, actually, maybe that's why people care. From a musical perspective, that's even worse, right? That to me is like um, I always think about the line when when Common says uh, he's like uh, when Common on Pete Rock's record when he said like he. He spiked his punchlines with current events, right? Yeah. And Naomi Campbell. Like, Wait, Skepta dated Naomi Campbell? Skepta and Naomi Campbell are expecting their first child together. That's the, the, the headline that just came up. So that's what I was saying. Like, I think he was he's dating somebody very, like, very famous. So I think that's why he's giving us, yo, my girl, whatever, whatever. Because it's like, yo, his girl's somebody who people actually oh. probably do care about. <laughs> All right. Look. I take it all back. Right, exactly, right? <laughs> wow. All right. Well, that's cool. All right. Cool. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, that should wrap it up for another very long <laughs> episode of the Spring Recap. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, we're going to try to come back with some uh, some more different materials. I got some questions lined up for a potential salute me or shoot me. That's what's up. And um, like I said, we're going to try to get Panama on here to do... Uh, the definitive best producer on that mic so stay stay tuned for that yinka do you have anything else you want to showcase dope sauce uh nah i think we should probably do a put you up on something just because we haven't done okay. one in a while um and yeah man look look for more hot material if y'all got albums you want us to review things you want us to discuss definitely let us know in the comments okay peace peace It's like Primo and Guru, gang of stars, different features like it's Hulu. Before this rhyming, I was noodles, and two shots, shot, Kaja Google. If y'all don't get the reference, y'all can Google. Y'all stepped in some doodle, and a parent mistake, that's why your parents call you Boo Boo. Give me time to combine with my dogs, Labradoodles. Button beat, cow, smoke that Buku. W on my crown, that's that Bufu. Only got half a screw loose, you get half of the stock, that's some Bufu. Keep a bird on the clock, that was cuckoo. Not the rapper you used to, what these rappers be lacking is the scruples. What you see is the master through the pupils, and I'm back with the voodoo. You a bottle of you who said backwards now who you your resistance is futile when the kid in the kitchen you get the kitten caboodle i don't talk it i live it if i don't get it then you do that goes for bono and you too i'm like a sawed off shotgun because less is more hit your front door with a hot one player if you want to get some then i got some trust me you ain't leaving the body here without some step to beat and yo you know the outcome i'm never outdone boy you going home with your mouth numb and a swole lip because i'm gonna give you them hands and i'm gonna give you